Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. This is Patrick Timpone, and uh, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. It's 19 July, 2022. We broadcast here most every day, getting started around 10 o'clock or so. Uh, A few hours from now, I think around 1, we have a little bit of a delay in between the first show and the second one. Brandon Smith is going to be here. Brandon has uh, looked into a, an organization called Inclusive Capitalism. And uh, what do you hear what this is all about? I'll just give you a little tip. The people running this thing are um, the Rothschilds and the, and the Rockefellers and some other people. So it'll be fun. That'll be in a couple of hours. Tomorrow, uh, Adam Bergstrom 2.0. He's on the second Wednesday of the month. And then also Matthew Errett, who is uh, quite a researcher in geopolitics and how it all works. And uh, we'll be digging into this new burgeoning uh, relationship between China and Russia. And it's a big deal. These boys are getting together and they're, who knows what they're up to. And uh, we will um, we'll see what they're up to. Our guest this morning is uh, someone I've been looking forward to talking with. His name is Moses West. And I'm just going to preface it with this. He's figured out a way uh, to, uh, to make water out of heavy air. Uh, there was a great, a great film a few years ago called The Big Short. Uh, Dr. Michael Berry figured out in 2006 or seven that many of the people who had mortgages were underwater. And he was the first one to come across that. And he went short, The Big Short, on mortgage-backed securities. And he made a few billion dollars because he knew that these mortgages were going were gonna to die. And uh, he was ahead of, the, ahead of the curve. At the end of the movie, uh, they did a little uh, prologue about Michael Berry and said that his next investments are going to be water. Whew. About 15 years ago, Boone Pickens uh, who used to make a good living uh, digging for oil, uh, changed his uh, modus operandi into water 15 years ago. Uh, Boone Pickens from Texas. So now Moses West, he's figured out a way. He's other people are doing it, but he really has an interesting uh, organization how to get, uh, rather than money out of thin air, like what they did in the big short, is how to get water out of heavy air, which is pretty clever because, you know, there's a lot of heavy air out there. Mr. Moses West, good morning. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great. Great to talk to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. So you have a long background with the media. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the military, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. I was, um, I went into the military in eight, uh, 1981 as an infantry officer and, uh, yeah, I uh, served as an infantry officer for a while, but uh, also as a as an officer, I went to uh, uh, the 75th Ranger Regiment, trained with them, certified Ranger, airborne, and then I became a pilot. And my dad was also in the military, so I've I think I've had an ID card, and I'm retired military. I've had an ID card my entire life. Yeah, is this where you first um, saw the need? Were you in the Middle East and saw the need for water over there, or how did the the whole water project come to you? Well, the um, the first time I came up when I saw the need for water 
well, g growing up in Texas, you always have the, um, right. we lived on top of the Edwards Underground Aquifer. And I don't know if many people remember, but uh, in Texas, it, the place where we lived in San Antonio, there was a beer called Pearl Beer, Pearl beer yes, sir. that no longer exists. Uh, it might exist, I'm not sure, but the Pearl Brewery does not brew beer anymore. But um, uh, Santa, Texas, that area was called the Land of a Thousand Springs. Hmm. I don't know if people remember that. And so that's when, that's really when the, for my first association with water came when I moved from uh, Europe to the, back to the United States because I grew up in Europe as a child and coming to Texas as a military brat. We used to walk in the woods and we could drink water as it came out of the ground. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I live in Dripping Springs, and the my spring that my creek is on is not dripping. It hasn't rained here in a long time. Well, I, we've had about an inch and a half maybe the last six months. Just really incredible drought. So my interest in water is a long time. I've been on rainwater collection, my only source, my only source, for 25 years. So I, I kind of really am in tune with the whole I, idea of water. Now you then, um, there's a way, and we're going to show you a video, but there's a way to get water out of the air, similar to what an air conditioner does, but on a bigger scale, right? Yes. Wow. I mean, that's the bomb. I mean, that's like the mother load of everything these days, isn't it? That's why... I was so interested in talking to you. I mean, it's it's a big deal, the water situation in this country. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a big deal globally. Yeah. But everything that we do, we try to break break down in the most simplistic of terms. Yes, sir. The most simplistic way so people can understand it. And the only way that I can can uh, get people to understand this, how simple it actually is, is. Uh, you take the water in its basic element, the H2O, and you look at you look at um, look look at our scientific data of how we 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 catalog elements on the Earth, mm -hmm. and and water only water only exists in three states. It they exist in a liquid, a solid, and a gas. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. And so we just use technology to condense it. Mm -hmm. So you're. You're almost similar to, to distilling it, in a way. No, mm, no I, I would say more. It's more condensing. Condensing. Because, uh, but what, once you condense it, uh, ba basically you're just creating a surface area that has that's at the correct temperature to pull pull water. But that's just a small portion of what you need to do to make sure that the water stays absolutely pure. Hmm. You have to, and to be to be federally certified as my company is to sell to the military or to a civilian company, you have to meet certain um, certain criteria. The machine has to be made out of uh, materials that are food grade, which which raises which raises the cost, and then also you have to have uh, uh, let's see, uh, it, it has to be everything has to be NSF sixty one certified. And then you have to clean the air as it comes in. Hmm. So there, there's a process to doing this correctly. So you're actually cleansing the air before you condense it. Oh, definitely. Huh. You, you, in some in some places, you don't always have to. 
but uh, I always like to go a step above what other people do and um, just make that extra step. Yeah. If I, if I can take it and it's, it's going to make a better product, uh, that's the way that I do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had my rainwater tested over the years and I've never found anything yucky in there. I just, you know, you send it to these testing companies and you get a 10 or 20 page report and it's pretty clean, you know, it's, but we still filter it here and have a ultraviolet light, you know, in case, case bird poop on the, on the, uh, on the tin roof, you know, where you gather the, the rain, but uh, the rainwater comes out about 0.07, uh, 07 on a TDS, total dissolved solids. Is that, if you do a, put a TDS meter on your water, or is that about it, zero, B0? It, it's near zero. Oh, it's near it's zero. all solvents, because uh, filtering the air as it comes in, there, there's only the one thing that the, uh, the you've heard of the uh, Lower Colorado River Authority? Yes, sir. Very familiar. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Angel will really appreciate this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this Angel Angel Mata over there, uh, he's the, um, I think he's the director right now of water quality testing. Yes, sir. And it was uh, Angel Benavides before that, Benavides before that. And uh, they, when we went over the water quality test, they just said it, uh, the water's more like um, if you eat local honey in your area. Your local water is taking the moisture from the trees as they as they give up their water. So it's a it's 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 good to make. I, I like the thing is good to make the water in the area where you are. That's fascinating. <laughs> That's an interesting concept where there's actually particles from the local area, the trees or whatever that's going in the air. Wow, that's interesting. It's almost a homeopathic water for you, or something like that. Pretty much. But there's a, there's also the, once you once you've made a pure source of water, you can ask any moonshiner this that sits <laughs> next to a, you know they you know the moonshiners they would have their own spring and they knew that water in that spring or the bend in this creek because yes, they had a, a tailor made product. Well, with water that I generate with water generator, it's it's a it's a very pure source of water. And then once you have a pure source of water, you can tailor it the way you want. Um, we have on uh, some systems, the larger systems I've made, um, I've put a remineralization tank in huh. the machine. Put some minerals and in. So you, huh. yep, you add you, you can add you can add vitamins, minerals, <laughs> lemon flavor. You can do whatever you want to the water. It's just pure <laughs> water to do with what you want, tailor made to your desire. But every time I use the re, and it, and it comes out after the testing, they say, yeah, it's full of all these minerals. Now the water's great. And then I taste that water, and then I taste the the water as it's just clean. And actually, in actuality, I prefer the water that's made right off the coil before it goes through the carbon filtration. It's got a it's got a different look, a different energy, a different feel. And when I was in Puerto Rico, I I, I just had to give everybody a disclaimer. They were like, "Hey, when I would give them a a a, a display of the machine or tell them how it was operating a demonstration i opened up this big valve and gallons of water just started pour out it was just this beautiful crystal clear looking stuff wow. and they would take glasses of it and drink it and they would come every day and they said this is what we want this is what we want yeah 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 
I guess, well, people must have lived on rainwater when they didn't have wells or springs forever, right? I mean, they would gather rainwater, probably. Well, exactly. That's that's how that's how everybody got. If you, when we built, if you go back through history, if you look at the majority of the cities that are, are made globally, they're all right, always on a, a river, a tributary, a, a place where two rivers come together. Three rivers. <laughs> yeah, three rivers stadium you know, yeah, up there. You look at uh, you look at all the cities that go up and down the Mississippi River, the Missouri River, and uh, that that's how we did it. Or we built them on um, or lakes and streams. And over time, what we what happened was we over time what happened we we had the um, we would contaminate those areas. Yes, sir. And people who lived outside of town who couldn't carry the water, they collected rainwater. So rainwater capture has been going on since the beginning of time. Yes, yes, sir. Um, do you think, uh, be, uh, what do you think we should, you think we should play your video now that you sent me? I think that would be sure. good for people, you know, to, to see. And then we'll get into it. Uh, you may not be able to hear the audio on this. We got a little hiccup in their system, but be assured that it is, definitely being um you can you'll be able to hear it the, the people are going to be able to hear it. you might just see the video moses but for some reason okay. you might not be able to hear it give me a thumbs up if you can hear it if not I'll just, just so i know it's a technical thing we haven't figured out so this is only five minutes but this is uh this is what uh, moses sent me and about his company uh, check it out
that's still clean water, right? Yeah. That's clean. That's, uh, here's Worth Moses West, and there was a little video from his company, and you can see his website, MosesWestFoundation.org, and they're doing, um, uh, well, uh, well, you call it atmospheric water, gen um, let's see, oh, generators, At right? It's, I couldn't read my handwriting. Right. Atmospheric water generators. On the... On the video, on the second to the last unit that you showed, which is kind of a, a square, uh, what is it, 10 by 10 by 10 maybe, uh, the second, not the biggest one at the end. Do you know which uh, unit I'm referring to? That oh, are you talking about the big green system that uh, pulls out of the container? Uh, no, before that. Before that, there's a, it's kind of a square unit that you see a lot. You were rolling around and all of that, that size oh, unit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many gallons yeah, a, does that produce? Uh, 300, 300 a day, but I, I can, right now, I'm, I'm looking to optimize that one to, to probably pull around 500 gallons a day. Wow. In that, in that, in that size. Yeah. So the, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting them smaller, but um, I figured the process to make them produce more water in a smaller size. Uh -huh. So it, those fit in the back of your pickup truck, actually. Wow, 500 gallons a day. Right, right now, the, the tan machines you saw, mm -hmm. the, the tan ones, those tan machines, those are with Marines right now. I build those for them. And uh, there's some. I, I always check with the with the guys and see how everything's going. Mm -hmm. And right now we have them. Uh, we have them in Pack Aft, uh, the Pacific Theater. I think uh, I, it's uh, Okinawa, Okinawa, Guam, and then uh, also in Hawaii. And so right now we just got a, we just got some information that uh, one of the systems is is going on an extended. Uh, extended field exercise which is great and then another one is then when when he goes on a field exercise you have one system uh, knowing how a battalion works mm -hmm. if you have one system operating constantly in your um in your fob you could uh you could make enough water you could actually you can make enough water for a battalion over time yeah sure and because i guess you store it in tanks then Right, just stored it. Right. Yeah. You, you, when you saw the uh, standard uh, issue military water buffalo, mm -hmm. and the in the images, that's it's the big four hundred gallon tank with the wheels on it, and the truck pulls it around. Yes, sir. I there's there's a there's a for military folks they'll they'll know this, but on the back of that buffalo there's this place where we used to have this tap. Well, I, I developed a device where I take that tap off and I attach a one-way valve where the water comes in but doesn't come back. So when the machine produces water, it pumps it into the water buffalo and the water buffalo needs to go. You just unsnap that snap link to drive off of the buffalo. And if I attach that to every water buffalo, all you have to do is, um, and I did this at, uh, in Austin, 
you park five water buffaloes right next to each other and you just plug that thing in mm -hmm. you fill them all up the units would come by and they would take them and drive off and drop off an empty and you just plug it up and then i taught the shoulders how to do it so basically here we had a a base of operation producing water and just endless water wow and before that what were they going out and buying water bottles and things like that water oh, they were they would go over and they would use it fill it up with the tap or hmm. or go to the water point or a lot of a lot of units would take bottled water to the field but uh this was a this was an easy operation and they could see them they see the merit in it as you you don't have a long supply line now which is open to attack right and water is very heavy and it's absolutely essential but it's it's very expensive to transport it because it's heavy, right? Eight pounds yeah. per gallon, something like that. Close, yeah. so, uh, between seven and eight. I should know the number. <laughs> I have to look it up every once in a while myself. I have to remember so much stuff. But I know that if you put it in a C5 and you fill a C5 from nose to tail with water, that's all the C5 is going to carry. Wow. And for C5 to fly, a C5 is flying at over $120,000 an hour. So, yeah. So the military is real interested in this, and that. So you're using the military as kind of your, your, your training ground, and to, to develop, uh, um, to prove to people that you can do what you do. No, the military is all they're they're already know. Okay. So I, I've been working with the military for years. But I mean, for other people, I mean, to, civilians and cities and whatever you're going to go to, yeah. Yes, that, that, you know, this is the reason why I developed the foundation, the Moses West Foundation. Uh, I went on a deployment recently, and I said that that would be my last deployment, and it is my last deployment. So, like, when, when, when people donate to the foundation, what I do is, when I have, I have a unit, I'll bring people to my location. You can have the machine. I'm going to teach you how to use it. Hmm. So your donations go to buy a machine and then a community that needs it is going to receive it. Oh. And they're going to receive the training. So that way, like uh, say someone in Jacksonville, uh, say a, 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 a neighborhood in Jacksonville, Florida's water's contaminated mm -hmm. or say Beaumont, Texas. So when people donate to the foundation, I can build a system, bring the people here, train them on on public donations, and then t send that unit out with them. And it's it's a gift of them knowing how to how to work the machine and to provide water at the same time. And then it also allows me those donations to teach people constantly how to do this, and that they're not going to run out of water. I see. And to take take ownership in this. So that's the idea. Of a of nonprofit foundation, your foundation. Yes. Yeah. So that you you decided that's a better business model than just having a Flint, Michigan, just buy a machine from you. Oh, oh, exactly. Well, they'll they'll they, they're on the for profit side, they can they can purchase a machine, but there's so many communities that need water. I see. And they 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 don't have access to this technology or don't know about it. And with a foundation, I can I can go to those places and teach people how to use this technology. Like even in your hometown, say if something happened, people could pool their resources together and 
you know, get mach- and then do- we could donate the machines. And not only would be your comp- your your community putting in funds, you put push the call out, and you know people were from all over will donate to help you out. Huh. Oh, that's that, yeah, that's a nice model. It's a real, it's a real universal kind of a love thing. You know, just whew, need to help these people. Yeah, it pulls everyone in together because right now we have so many people who have fallen through the cracks. We, we, I, I talk to people, I get emails from people all the time that say they have absolutely no water. They haven't had water for years or the water has just, the taps have just gone dry. Wow. And in some of these communities, one machine would supply, you know, 500 people with drinking water. 500 That's pe- all it takes. Really? Yeah. Right. If you're if you're looking at it, if you're looking at a liter a liter a day, you know, say just like, and you've got a machine producing eight hundred liters a day. Sure. That's that's survi- that's survival. Survival. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moses West is with us. His website. Check it out. Is MosesWestFoundation.org. If you have a question or a comment, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. We're live here this morning. It's a Tuesday on the 19th of July, and also you can call, if you want to talk to Moses, 800, or or, triple eight, rather, triple eight, six, six, three, 6386. Moses, stay right there, and we'll do a break, and uh, we'll be right back with you. Pretty cool. I just think this is terrific stuff. Uh, We talked a bit about, um, uh, you know, how the the Federal Reserve will often, most often, uh, create money out of thin air, and then they'll buy mortgage-backed securities from the banks and they and the banks have uh, you know this is the big short was about the banks will slice and dice mortgages put them in a mortgage backed security it's a synthetic instrument and then they sell the mortgage backed securities to investors or oftentimes the 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 Federal Reserve Bank of New York which is a private bank yeah i know um uh, and they will create the money and then buy it from the banks, and the banks own the Fed, and it's pretty trippy the way they figure this thing out. It's, it's just called modern money mechanics. And uh, so this is what's been going on for since uh, 1913 when they, invested, when they invented the Fed, and this is why we have uh, probably $35 trillion in debt as a country. We, the people, were on the hook for this. Um, they don't tell you that often, um, and uh, why also the inflation rates probably, uh, they, uh, the government says 10%, but it's probably 20% because of all this new money that's come into circulation that the Fed creates on a computer. I can look at the Fed's balance sheet this morning and tell you how many mortgage-backed securities they got on there. If I can grab it during a break, I will. So the, the, the long and the short of it is, just like uh, water is necessary for life, uh, gold and silver, we believe, is the only real money to date. And uh, we have a, a company that we promote, and we've known Fred Dashevsky uh, forever. And he has a couple of specials if you'd like to get a $20 St. Gordon's gold piece and a couple Indian head nickels. He has those on special. You can also buy a bag, 1,000 dimes, and these are pre-1965 dimes. That's when the, the mints used to use real silver, 
Now, of course, they quit that in 65. So you can buy these from Fred and put them in your underwear drawer or in the basement or hide them. And, you know, uh, if the dollar continues to do what we think it's going to do because these people are going to continue to create dollars, that's what they do for a living, uh, um, gold is going to be worth more money. So we think it's a nice investment. It's a hedge against inflation, which looks like we might have a, a 1970s kind of run-up thing during Jimmy Carter and all of that. And during that time, gold went from $35 an ounce to $850 an ounce, and interest rates were 15% when Ronald Reagan came into office. I don't know if you recall. 15%. Could you imagine playing that on a mortgage? And then gold went to $850. So it's, it's a, we think it's a good investment. There's no sure thing, uh, but the chances of gold going down from here are silver pretty slim. So call Fred if you'd like to get involved with this. Uh, it's a pure I'm rather, excuse me, real American money from the Mint. There's no gold bars or bricks or stuff. They're just real American money. They have, uh, most of them have numismatic or collector value, and then also the, the value in the coins themselves, the gold and the silver. His number is 800-878-2646. 800-878-2646. Uh, we think you'll have a nice experience uh, if you just hold on to these babies. Now, don't do this if you're going to, you know, hopefully, well, I'm watching gold, it's going to go up, you know, $50, $100, and resell. don't do that, because you'll lose money, because they make a profit on, you know, they have a commission, and uh, the, you want to do this if you're going to hang on to these guys for like, we say about three years or so. Yeah, don't, don't, this is not a, you know, get rich quick kind of thing, because uh, you, you could lose money that way, about three to five years. And um, so, 800 468-2646. Here's a little bit about our sauna. We promote these. Sweating is really good. Here's physicist, biologist, chemist, Dr. Gerald Pollack on Far Infrared Saunas. Infrared uh, energy is what builds this fourth phase of water. And the idea of a sauna, you know, you go in and you sweat and you, you receive this infrared energy and you feel great after you, uh, after you come out. I felt uh, the same, and so have so many people. And most of us think, well, you know, it's just um, some sort of psychological issue, and it, 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 it might be. However, experimentally, we know that infrared energy builds the fourth phase. Your cells should be, or should be filled with this fourth phase, but, uh, but you know, we're, we tend to be somewhat dehydrated uh, and missing some of this, this fourth phase. And so what happens is if you subject yourself to infrared, the infrared is absorbed by your body, absorbed by your cells, and it converts ordinary water to fourth phase water, and then you feel better. How cool is that, structuring the water in your body with the Relax Far Infrared Sauna? That's pretty cool. Man. It's really pretty cool, yeah, structured water. I think God structures rainwater. Uh, I don't know what Moses does if he structures his water. We'll see. Uh, if you'd like to get one, the only way to get it is to email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. We have the best price you're going to get anywhere. Trust me, the best price you're going to get. Now, there's a lot of knockoffs with these babies. You know how that goes. People put out saunas that look exactly like this, and uh, it's a personal sauna where you sit in, your head is sticking out, so you don't heat up your head, which is not a good thing to get your head all hot. And um, But we'll give you the best price you're going to get. We ship them all over the world. Ship one to, uh, to Italy last week. Just email me. Let me know where you are, where you live, and I'll give you the price 
delivered price. Just got an email today from Lindsay. She uh, she had bought a sauna years ago, and the sauna left when her husband and her she broke up. And <laughs> she says, "I'm reaching out again because I need another sauna because my ex kept that one. I don't that rascal." And so she's going to go order another one. So if your if your husband or wife leaves you, don't don't let them take the sauna with you. Just email me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com and we'll get you all hooked up. (laughs) Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with Moses West. He's kind of based out of San Antonio but travels around and and, uh, he has an organization, a non-profit and also, uh, I guess, a commercial one. We'll talk about both and uh, he has these machines it actually just takes water out of the air. I have so many questions here. So, um, we've got two, three in the emails. Okay, I want one. How much do these things cost? Because you got to tell folks what they cost, right? So, if somebody wanted to have, I mean, could, what's the smallest one you make for a home? The smallest one I make for a home, I, I, I'm trying to design another one right now, but. Uh, yeah, the price is a little bit high, but you got to remember, I build these systems in the United States. I use union labor. Right. And everything is, I can't use, with the United States military, there's not one product, not one component in these machines that can become from the Pacific Rim. Oh. And so, oh. some people don't obey that rule, mm-hmm. and they skirt around it because they want to I'm being very honest about my my business with the government because I'm very happy to have it yes, sir. and honored to have it. So the components very high in the machine will la- the machine will the machine will last as long as you'll last. Okay, it's 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 there's nothing there's nothing plastic about it. This is not a something you build and throw away. It's a it's a lifetime supply of water. Mm-hmm. And uh, the machine that I build for the United the machine that I build the commercial machine. It's a steep price tag. Comes in around eighty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Whoa, that's the smallest one right now, eighty nine thousand. But that's a that's a system that if you, I say, if you purchase a home and there's no water, right, and the well water's gone, right, and there's no municipal supply of water, this machine will supply your whole house with water. Oh, because you could do everything. Showers, of course, everything, because. How many, how many gallons uh, per day does that produce? Uh, when it's uh, say when it's very very humid, it'll produce three hundred or more gallons a day. But it's working all the time. So I always suggest with folks to put a, a five thousand gallon insulated water storage tank mm-hmm. underground, above ground, wherever you want to do it, and then have this system just continuously running. And if you run it on solar power, that's even better with a battery backup. And this thing is just making water year-round. The only problem that you're going to have over time is you're going to need more water storage. Yeah. Because if you calculate how much water you're making every day, you go on vacation for three months, you come back, you you know you're gonna you're gonna have an Olympic-sized swimming pool someplace. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing with even with rainwater, uh, you have to have capacity because, like in Texas, sometimes it'll do five inches or eight inches and then it doesn't rain for six months and if you don't have the capacity exactly. like we have 20,000 gallon tanks you know 20,000 gallon so that that is steep 89,000 
But, you know, with the way the weird weather is, and, you know, we won't get into why it is, because there's a lot of controversy about that. I, I, I you know, um, if you had a lifetime of water and you would never have to worry about it again, if it never rained, but it's, you know. So, um, but, and so the energy, is it 220 or it runs on solar? Is it 220? Uh, I, I build the systems either, the, I built the first 220 volt system for the home. It's a 220 single phase, but everything that I build for the federal government is 208 three phase, 463 phase. I see. Because they have actually three phase power. Higher, the higher power uses less energy, actually, because mm -hmm. the lines are bigger, you have more flow. But everyone, most, pe most people don't have that kind of voltage in their homes. But I needed a system that operated the same as a military system. So that price tag right now is what it is because I don't have economy of scale. But say with economy of scale, say if I get a large order for a thousand units, Whoa. that price drops precipitously. A lot. A lot. So right now, when I'm building units, you, you know, when I get an order from the military, it's a handful of units that I have to build those. Those are all those are all built on the assembly line, but it's the when you when I order components in bulk that's when the price can come down and that's when i can pass that price on to the consumer the same as like when we first came out with with flat screen tvs people you look at what people pay for them in the very beginning and you're like oh my god and then after they started to become more prevalent and more were being sold the price came down yeah so that's your vision to be able to get the price down so more people can can do it even for the home and do you you think you can um, uh, get that get that price down for single homes or? Oh, definitely. There's uh, people have contacted me and they said, "Well, well, you understand the technology." The first person that comes forward and says, "Hey, you know what? Let's just build this system in the house." Mm. So you you build a house, so you build the system into the house. That house is just you just built a house that doesn't ever need water. It, it never needs a water main to 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 the outside. Hmm. So this house makes and stores this water. When I lived in Australia, I had a cistern system under my house. Yeah. A cistern. Hmm. It was the, it was a this big five thousand square foot house, and the whole basement of the house was this big water tank, and where the basement would be. If I had this system and just had it running on solar and just had it drip into my basement. I could have sealed up all the little rain ports on the roof. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you also then have a a, uh, a commercial end, so somebody could just come to you and buy one, maybe for their neighborhood or something. Exactly. On the commercial side of my business is AWG Contracting okay. LLC. And so AWG contract, you can you can Google that, okay. and that that's the that's the uh, that's my military contracting company where I build for the military. So in the video you saw the green machines, those green machines those belong to the Army. The tan machines belong to the Marines. Mm -hmm. and, and now they 
I asked him this last time on this next order. Says, "What color?" That's the uh, the army guys. I said, "What color do you want?" Says, "Whatever." I said, "Okay, paint." Let's <laughs> do paint. We'll do paint. <laughs> so, how much humidity do you need uh, to make this uh, reasonably efficient? Uh, anything. Uh, it'll still make water thirty percent, but not that well. But anything above thirty going up, fifty percent up. It's great, but in the evening, the the humidity always climbs up in the evening. Okay, when the when those UV rays stop cooking off the, the cook, cooking off the H two O molecules, you could have fifteen percent humidity during the day. As soon as the sun goes down, it'll go up to seventy five. No kidding, I didn't know that. Yeah, really. Oh yeah, there's these uh, uh look at these NOAA charts, these weather charts for mm-hmm. different regions, and always look. They're they're online for every city. Look at what they say during the daytime. It says, "Oh, it's only twenty percent humidity." They look at night, and then you see eighty percent humidity. And so you can program the machine to only come on when you want it to. So if you want it to come on only when it's above seventy, you can program the machine oh, to that's make cool. it'll come on above seventy. That's cool. That's a it's a thinking machine. It's just not a dumb box. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, um, so. Places like um, the Phoenix area, they're really on, on thin ice out there, you know. They wish they had thin ice because, as you know, Lake Mead, that whole, it's never been lower. It's just, it's it's crazy, a situation. It really is. Uh, you know, some, some people don't like to say, you need to sometimes say things. Yeah. You need to tell the truth. It's the truth, you know. It's the truth. You, you, like uh, during during uh, during the D-Day invasion, Eisenhower wrote two letters. Did he? He wrote a letter for if he succeeded, and he wrote a letter for if he failed. He wrote two letters, hmm. and I think I don't think I know people aren't telling you the truth today. Yes, sir. The truth the truth is you're in your new normal. You're this is your new normal. You're never going to come back to the place where Lake Mead is full. It's not going to happen. What you see now has been a, a slow, steady progress down. That is a trend. That is a trend going down. That lake is going to run out of water. And we've already had it. We had it happen in Yellowstone this year when the, the snow, when the sun came out, it just blew up, melted it all at once when we had the big flood. Mm. So this is happening globally. We just had it happen in Europe. A whole, a whole glacier just blew up. An old glacier just blew up and washed down the mountain. And this is happening more often because we are very, very warm right now. And so the changes that we see are going to continue. And regardless of the causes, and we won't get into that, but it could be, it could be a, a, um, a, a track or a system or a cycle that could change or it could hang out for years we don't know nobody knows oh i know we don't know we don't know i i just i focus on the here and now yes i don't know what the cause is what right i what i do know right now is we need to find we need to tap into this source of water because every other source or water we have is drying up and the whole thing with the colorado river you mentioned the lcra i mean there's all kinds of fights going on right now moses as you know out in that area california um, you know, Arizona, 
and trying to people wanting to get in there and that affects us here in Austin even right because we have the Colorado River going right through Austin Texas yeah the 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 different different branches but this, right now the the water that we have in Texas one one thing that concerns me about Texas mm. is um I don't know how many of y'all have been to Barton Springs. Oh, yes. Well, I have, and I don't know if our listeners have. We have listeners all over the world. But tell them about Barton Springs. Do you remember when, do you remember, like, say, back in the, I don't want to date you or anything now. But That's right. I came, remember, here in the, I came here in the early 80s. Early 80s. Okay. Do you remember when you go to Barton Springs in the early 80s? Do you remember what it looked like? It was just amazing and cold and whew. Clear. Clear. It was so clear. I remember when I was hmm. jumping in to go swimming, the, the place where it was coming out of those caves in the ground. Yes, sir. I didn't want to go near that because I could. You could. You could go underwater. You could see down those cavern holes. And the water was coming out, but I. I didn't. I said that. That's too close to going into the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go down there. <laughs> I'm not going there. Right. <laughs> and it was freezing cold. Well, it's still cold but you can't see the bottom anymore. Oh, you can't see the bottom anymore. No. It doesn't look like a, it doesn't look like swimming pool water anymore. It doesn't look like clear mm. clear water. It's the color of tea. Hmm. What what's the I attribute that to? It's been years since I've been in Barton Springs. What what's going on? That's that is that is the that is the level of we've built on top of the the Aquifer. the the recharge zone. So every house has got a car. Every house has dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. We have have our our herbicides, our fertilizers. We have our gas stations. We have highways. And and I was talking with uh, a couple of state representatives one day, and they said, "Well, the water just runs off and runs into the aquifer." I said, "Well, when no one lived here, that was great because even the cowboys, when it, when it rained and the water came off a hill, you could just." When it got clear, you could drink it. Yeah, yeah. Or if it puddled, you could drink it. I said, "But if you were, if we're sitting at the Capitol today, and then we went down by the by the river, once the rain came down here and ran down Congress, would you scoop up a glass down before it ran into the river and drink it?" I not no. No, you wouldn't. Hmm. So these little common sense things like this. So all the runoff now that goes into the uh, Edwards Aquifer it it is going down holes that are not those springs that don't run anymore. Those caverns that go down to the ground that we used to find as kids yes, sir. where water came out. Now contaminated water is going in. Hmm. And that is going to be an issue that no one is really talking about. We're contaminating the aquifer and the aquifer is running low. So the aquifer in a few years is going to become a toxic soup. Hmm. And then... I mean, you can clean it up to drink it, but it's not suitable to drink even when you clean it up, right? I mean, it's just not tap water. It's just not not good for you. Well, we've learned we've learned that with reverse osmosis in the military. Yes, sir. The, the military is moving away from the we call it a rojo. Rojo. We're, we're, we're moving away from rojo because we're finding places where the water is so contaminated, you can't clean it. You really. Really? Wow. And then it's a big issue with uh, reverse osmosis with the filters and the 
mold in the filters, all kinds of stuff goes on there that you don't even want to think about, right? Exactly. But here, I'll, I'll share this with you because this is something that is definitely going to take place over the next, uh, within the next year for sure. Hmm. This The way that I design this technology that I work with, everybody sees the box and, and we talk about the box a lot. We talk about that. I, I've learned it developed over the years how to make this that box into a 10,000 square foot box. 10,000 square feet. Whoa, that's a big box. 10,000. What I'm looking at now, I'm looking at looking at putting in a fixed structure, like a fixed structure yes, with sir. a sub-basement, concrete walls, your evaporators, condensers, all your all all of your refrigeration components. And I built on it, developed a second stage to this tech to this technology. We don't know how large we can make it, but I want to start with um, I want to start with 800 square feet, move up from 800 to 1,000, from 1,000 to 5 to 5 to 10, and see how far we can go. But a 10,000 square foot structure, I think that would that would make. I don't know how much it'll make, but it'll make in excess of 20,000 gallons of water a day. 20,000. Well, you could do that in a small city like Dripping Springs and, and have really good water if the LCR thing doesn't work out for you five years from now. Oh, well, right now, the 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 growth in this industry is, is phenomenal. Oh, I bet so. And so, yeah, I'm a... Right now, I'm staying. I'm trying to. Uh, I just got back from Texas. I just got back from Texas. Mm-hmm. Back up in. I'm back up in the Midwest, and uh, that that was a that was two months of a deployment. And I tell you, right now, it it, it, it we will deploy again, but you will come and you're going to take the machine. I am not going back out there. What do you mean? <laughs> so deploy. What do you mean when you say deploy? Uh. Oh, you go to a place that doesn't have water, yes, and sir. you take a you take a machine, and you do it on donations, and you 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 produce water, and you give water to people. Or if there's no running taps, you sit and you produce water and bottle it up and and give it to people. It's just sitting there running on a the water generator, using a generator to do it if they don't have enough power. Hmm. And you like after a hurricane is the perfect time. Like say if a hurricane hits the coast of Texas, yes, I would love to have enough donations to build fifty machines, and then I will show you how to operate those machines. You put them in the back of your pickup truck, and you're gone. Hmm. And you go, you go sit in Tupelo, Mississippi, and you provide the people with water. Right, but after hurricanes, sometimes Moses, don't you have a low power? So you'd have to be set up on solar, right? If you don't have any power, generator. Gen- oh, generator. Yeah, of course. Take a generator. Every you, uh, the last time I pulled a, um, I pulled the water generator, and then I had a H and E is an equipment rental company. Hmm. I, they had a generator on wheels. I said, I'm I'm driving this big Dodge 2500 diesel. I said, take the wheels off. <laughs> <laughs> take the wheels off. Sit it in the bed of the pickup truck. Wow. So I sat in the bed of the pickup truck. The water generator sat on a trailer, and then I had a water tank on that. And I went to a town, and I just started it up. And I was like, I became a one-man water company. <laughs> I can remember during uh, Katrina, 
It was all about, remember truckloads is bottled water. That's what they were doing. I mean, truckloads, it's crazy. Yeah. In, in Puerto Rico, on the island of Vieques, they do. You saw some in the video. There yes, was sir. images of Puerto Rico. Right. We set that system up there. You remember the water tank that was pouring that water out? Right. I think it was over ten thousand gallons of water, and that the what why that water was dumping. I had to clean that thing out because I found it in a uh, in a supply yard, and the FEMA director said, "Yeah, you can have it. We're not using it." <laughs> So I said, okay, so I got the truck drivers to bring it over to the hospital. And so during that, during Hurricane Maria, after it was over, FEMA did not send water to the island of Vieques. They didn't. Wow. That machine supplied 5,000 people on that island with water. Now, the, the news story is from Kaiser Health News from mm -hmm. uh, the Washington Post. Uh, they did a story on the island of Vieques and the machine that was there. And wow. we supplied 5,000 families, and each family averages three people. So that's how much water we're making. And that was on solar power. And how big a machine was that? That was a 5,000-liter unit, 5,000 liters water a day, 1,250 yeah. gallons. And say a, a cost for that would be about, if, if, a, if a city bought it or something like that? Uh, 250,000. Yeah. That's nothing these days. I mean, for a city. No. No. Not when you're considering a machine like that can supply 5,000 people with drinking water. Yeah. 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 Each, each, each truck of drinking water, when, they, when a hurricane hits and they go to Costco or Sam's and they pull they back up to it, they probably pay fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for that truck. Yes, sir. And they drive down and they got to come back every day with water. If the water sits in the sun too long, no one wants to drink it because it tastes like plastic. Yeah, yeah. And then after they drink it, you have all the plastic. But, and you have the trucks on the road. Whereas if you have one large machine, like you saw in the video, sitting there operating, it, it, that, thing, that machine, when it wasn't on solar, it's fully self-contained. It has its own generator on it. Oh, cool. That's uh, natural gas or diesel what do you use uh that was a diesel generator diesel, yeah. it was a that that one i designed that one and i used the deutz generator on that one yeah because it's it's oil it's oil cooled it's easy maintenance so when you leave it no one has too much of a hassle with it but when uh when i got there tesla was there hmm. and we just got permission to use his his battery oh. and that battery was putting out that battery was putting out over 480 volts Whoa, how big a battery? Oh, it's uh, not big at all. Really? It was, I don't know, the, the size of a, a few uh, refrigerators. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like side-by-side -side refrigerators. Oh, I didn't know his batteries were, were good. We're talking with Moses West. Uh, I think somebody wants to talk to you. Let's see if somebody's on. Hi, good morning. Who's this? This is Lance from Escondido. Lance in Escondido, California. You're on the air with Moses. Go ahead. Hey, Moses, I had a question. Um, do you, what's the smallest unit for like a small family farm that's kind of off-grid, maybe just for the, a family of four? What would you suggest? Um, they're on propane and solar, so well, we are. If, uh, the smallest unit I would suggest for you is the unit that I built for the military right now, and uh, that's the unit that I quoted out here on the show. 
and that's the one that I would get, and I would get that with a five thousand gallon. Well, are you are you in the valley? Um, no, I'm not. I'm not in the valley. I'm in I'm in San Diego, so I'm in like Escondido area. So it's rural. I have an acre and a half, so I have enough room for a five gallon, five thousand gallon tank. Okay, in that area that you're in, you get the uh, you get the coastal you get the coastal humidity, correct? Uh, yeah, like the marine layer. You mean the burn off? Right. Yeah. You, you get a lot of fog. Uh, yeah, not a lot of fog, but yeah, when it comes in, it's thick. There you go. Right there, you're you're already in business because that fog that is the easiest water to get. You can already see the water. <laughs> So on those days with a machine like that, I would hope you would clock 500 gallons a day. So the system that you should have, you should have the military system, what I provide to the United States military today, and you would be, you would be water self-sufficient. What's the fuel source? The fuel, Say again? Yeah, the, he asked about the fuel source. Oh, the, 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 the system runs on power. If I build it in 220, you're just working on 220. But uh, I, if you go three-phase power, you're looking at 208, 460. But then that's transformers, you know. But uh, 210, uh, 220 single-phase would be fine. Solar, gotcha. or gen solar or generator, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because I'm off-grid. I'm trying to calculate the kilowatts a liter hour. Um, so I, uh, so I know how to size uh, this battery. Kilo, say, say about 25 kilowatts an hour. Okay. All right. So now I know how to size my, because uh, I have a completely separate array just for the purpose of, of doing this along with batteries, because I'm off grid. I don't have any connection to the power company. So I have, uh, my house has 18, 365 watt panels. I have uh, 13 kilowatts in inverter power, and I've got 30 kilowatts in batteries just for the house, and I'm yeah. going to probably get another 40 kilowatts batteries specifically for water so instead of drilling a well it's going to take you the same amount of power to run your machine than it is to pull the water that you drilled the well out of a hundred thousand dollar well that could go dry exactly but you'll 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 probably on steady state operation you'll probably use uh you'll probably use similar to less energy depending on you know i i just need to sit down and just uh calculate uh, it out figure out with my engineers uh, other ways to get rid of parasitical electrical load and that's one thing that that's one thing that I do that other companies don't do is I can if I sit down I talk with you and uh, we can we can custom out something for you pretty easily yeah. how much rainwater do you get Lance how much rain fall I haven't calculated but my my driveway before I had it paved, washes out every year, so. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't get enough water just to collect the rain? Um, no, no, not at all. Um, I, I, I can't collect rain and rain batteries by doing hugel culture, by chopping up trees for my plants that <laughs> bury the trees. And, yeah. And one rain could, could all year, but, but yeah. Okay. It's more so a backup. I'm not going to use it as, like, a replacement. Obviously, it'll come to that eventually, but I want to use it as a backup just for drinking. Sure. Okay, thank you. Thanks, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Boy, he sounds like he's getting pretty buttoned up already, a fellow like that, right? Pretty self, self-sufficient. self With Moses West, so he has a nonprofit foundation called Moses West Foundation where they uh, he's a real visionary, and you can tell he, he wants to do the best thing for the most people, 
and where they're taking donations. And um, do you get donations from around the world? How do people find out about you? Uh, they found out by usually a lot of times um, we just did a, a NBC surprise me when I was in Texas. Oh, cool. I, they, pop, they popped up out there and I says I told them I said hey you know uh, I'm looking kind of dirty here. He goes no you just wax on who works. Do you want to? <laughs> can we do an interview? And I'm like sure. And it was great because uh, while we're there uh, we had a fire a brush fire the day before hmm. and. Um, when we were interviewing, he said, do you think we should do something about that? And I said, yes, definitely. So we turned on the water generator. We had 500 gallons of water stored under pressure, and we put out a little bit of a fire. Huh. And they got that. And then the cameraman was starting to have heat stroke, so we sat him in a chair, and we, we doused him with uh, 500, uh, about 50 gallons of cold water from hmm. the water generator. So we got to turn it on. We're making water. We're putting this ice water over his head. Oh, that's great. So the water does come out cold? Oh, yes, it does come out cold. Why, why, out cold. why if it's cold if it's 90 degrees out? What's what's up with that? Is the clouds cold? <laughs> no, because when you're when inside the machine, you, it's cold in there because when all that humidity comes in there, you're condensing the oh. water out of it. you got to bring it to a temperature like your, your glass of ice when oh. you have it on the table. Yeah. That glass of ice, when you have it on a table, you have to, uh, it, it's condensing it out of it. And then when it's condensing out of it, it goes into, it goes into, if the, if the tank is insulated, that's even better. Wow. It, it just stays cold. As we speak today in Dripping Springs, Texas, there are many, many wells that aren't welling. They're dry. And, uh, you know, people are, uh, uh, even some people with rainwater are getting water delivered in. And they'll deliver like 2,000 gallons for maybe, I don't know, $300, $400. But it's tap water, too. I mean, it's pretty, excuse my French, pretty crappy water. But you, had to, you, know, you can filter it or do something to it. Uh, I, so I wonder if you could even think about a neighborhood to, you know, with 20 families to buy a machine and somehow... You get it to everybody, I guess, couldn't you? You definitely could. Because the same way, I, when I was in Texas, I was working on, I designed something where it's more like the larger machines, but it comes in the smaller size. So it's it's got a back pressure pump on it. So once, that, once you tie that into the line of your home uh -huh. and you block off where the water was coming in, now when you turn on the tap of your home, everything comes in under pressure. So, but building a larger system, say one of these systems that does 10, 20,000 gallons of water a day, you let that, it's a permanent structure. You let that run all the time. Hmm. If it takes five, 10, or 20 of these systems, it's a fixed structure. That, that's the end of your water worries because that's, that gaseous state of water is never going to go away. And that's what I'm working on right now. So then, Other it's just a just matter of of, of uh, storage, right? Just a matter of storage. Right. Oh. Mm -hmm. And every town has got water towers. We have uh, ground level storage. So basically, what you're doing is the water that you're the water that you're pulling from the aquifer that's not coming anymore. Now you pull it from the air. It's this. It's the same water, but in a different state of uh, of the scientific category of water. 
but it's the same thing. And it sounds like a dumb question, but I guess it's not. So the humidity, you just can't run out of that. It's just there. It's just, it's a God thing, right? I mean, it's just there. It's just there. You're never going to run out of humidity. The, 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 the moisture in the atmosphere is the most abundant, plentiful source of pure water on the earth. Wow. We, it's, it's measured in the quadrillions of gallons. Quadrillions. Quadrillions. <laughs> quadrillions. So when you go outside and you look up in the sky and you see a cloud, that's water. When you come out on a day and you have those really dark clouds, that is water. All the humidity that comes up from the Gulf of Mexico, that is the Gulf of Mexico evaporating and coming over land. Coming over. Wait, wow. no. wait that high pressure waiting to hit a low pressure so it can dump all that water on you. Hmm. So what we're doing inside the machine is we're creating a natural phenomenon of what happens in the sky. We're creating a ground level inside of the machine. Um, here's an email for you. If there were enough atmospheric water generators running in an area, could it deplete the humidity in the air? I think we just answered that and deprive plants and trees with enough water. It's not going to do it. No. No, it just won't. No, it's not going to happen. And the other thing, too, is when this question is asked so many times, I think I I get that question about two or three times a week. (laughs) And here, when at Camp Mabry, when we had the machines all set up there and I was cranking out, I don't know, I would say maybe 5,000 gallons of water a day because everything I had was operating. And so we, once the machines filled up with water, they would stop. So every day there was this huge, massive dump of water. And so all that water went between these two buildings. Hmm. So we made it, we made it, the whole base was dry. But we had a river, we had blue bonnets, we had flowers, we had bees, we had raccoons, wow. we had squirrels, we had some creatures that I'd never seen before. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know what it is, but I don't want to hang out with it at night. <laughs> <laughs> so this is at Camp Mabry in, in Austin, right? Yeah. Camp Mabry in Austin. We, we made our own ecosystem because once we pulled the water, everywhere else was dry around austin sure but between our buildings everything was green the trees loved it the grass loved it and we made a river that ran all the way down to the creek bed have you ever seen anybody use it in agriculture or maybe who had cows that they made a living with to use it to keep the grass going i mean it was that too wasteful of a thing not at all when you build like say if you build a system that is not a, a potable water system right so it doesn't have to abide by all of the stringent national sanitation foundation 61 criteria stainless steel and you just made a bare bones operating system that just condensed water out of the air yeah. and you sprayed that on your grass and gave it to your cows you're good to go you're good to go oh that so you could do it you could do it that way legally as long as you don't say it's potable water potable water right Exactly. As long as it's not for human consumption, it's still you could, it still can be consumed by humans. But to to maintain the the, standards. the, uh, yeah, yeah. the, the federal standards for NSF sixty one, if people want to drink it, there's many other things that you that you have to do to with the technology hmm. in the way of metals and coatings and piping and bet, components. Yeah. Boy, you get people in there 
telling you what you got to do to make stuff. It, as you say, I, that's I, it's crazy that the military they won't even let you put in a part from the Pacific Rim. And I, first time I'd ever heard that. That's really interesting, isn't it? Well, no. There's uh, they. What we're trying to do is we're trying to source here local. keep keep Amer- keep them keep Americans employed. Sure. If something goes bad with the machine or something goes wrong with it, that supply part needs to come from here. Hmm. And so that's just, that's would, just one of the parts. What would be a bare bones cost of a non-portable smallest unit ever? Like, what could you get it down to? I I would have, I, I can't talk. So I think a, a bare bone a bare bones unit. Non-portable. Uh, you're talking about a big system for agriculture? No, a small system for a home if they just wanted to use it for non-portable water. Oh, bare bones. About uh, fifty thousand. Yeah, see, now you're getting doable. You know, you could. Yeah, yeah. You could but it it'll get doable as well with uh, like say large orders come in and once that happens for the home units, you change up the skin, lighten it up, concentrate on the major components where they those have to be very durable, and then you start getting down to the place where you put them in Costco. Huh. Wow. Uh, uh, Moses West is with us. A few more minutes, Moses, and then we'll we'll let you go. I have a couple other things I wanted to look at. Um, there's places like Catalina that have these. Um, um, what do they call them? The water de- uh, desal plants, right? Desalization plants, Catalina, and they they supply the whole island. Uh, and they're they're taking ocean water, and I guess they reverse osmosis or do something to it. Um, how could your system do a better job than that? In a Most place? definitely. Could you? Could you be competitive with the cost? Uh, yes. De- there's 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 a drawback to desal. Yeah. We, we call it desal. Desal. The drawback. The drawback to desal is there's something there's a byproduct that comes from desalinization. Salt. <laughs> exactly. It's, we call it brine. Brine. So what? So what do most people do with a brine? Uh, I don't know. Throw it away. They pump it back into the ocean. Yeah. They oh, they pump it right back into the ocean. That's if, not- when you change when you change the salinity of salt water. Yeah. When you increase that salt and a fish passes through that, or or it goes over uh, uh, ocean plants, it kills everything in its path. Whoa! Really. People, they, these are little things that people don't realize about yes. these things. They say, well, let's just, you, if you desalinate your way out of the problem of global water, the, you're going to kill the ocean. And so, if here's a primate, here's a good example. You know this place called the Dead Sea? Yes, sir. I've heard about it. You know why it's dead, right? No. It's dead because there's too much salt in it. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, too much that's why everybody that jumps in the Dead Sea can float because there's so much salt in the water. I wonder how that there's happened. There's not a living, not a fish in that water. No kidding. So these guys, like in Catalina, they're just pumping huge amounts of water and pumping the, the brine back into the ocean. I don't know if they're pumping it back in the ocean in Catalina, but if, if you put it on the land, it'll dry up the window catch. It'll blow over the land. So most people push the brine back into the sea. Yeah, because it's probably just cheaper. And I guess if you just yeah. pumped it in the ground, it would 
they would get into the aquifers, and that wouldn't be good either, right? But we do have that happening right now. Well, we're in a safe floor. We we have a we have saltwater leaching in the groundwater in Texas. Really, and we have it happening in Florida. So where you have fresh water, it's very heavy. Yes, sir. It makes a barrier. Now, here's where I saw a prime example of what I saw it in Australia. They pulled up so much groundwater, the salt water came in underneath it. For as far as you can see, every tree is dead. Wow. And the salt and water the came whole, in because they took a lot of the fresh water and it just... When you take the fresh water, yeah. it, it, makes a, it makes a hard barrier because it's heavier than salt water. Ah. And so you take, you take that water... And then the the uh, salt water starts to come in and mix, so it becomes brackish. This this is brackish water. Ah, I've heard of that. Here, yeah. The two are separated, salt and the fresh. But as soon as as soon as you pull the fresh water, the salt water starts to come in. It takes its place, and then it starts to mix. So in Florida, the Biscayne Aquifer, ten years, is going to be salty. It's already salty now in many places. Uh, because they keep pulling water out of it, right? Wow. They keep pulling water out. Wow. And so that goes on too, I guess, down in uh, Louisiana, right? When you in all these coastal areas in Louisiana, it gets brackish. It just gets brackish. It's brackish. The uh, the Mississippi ebbs and tides comes in and out, and but then with the loss of marshland and more ocean level water coming towards us. And the loss of the uh, wetlands, that salt water's coming in, and it's it's just it's just contaminating people's wells all up and down the Gulf Coast. For me, uh, just a cheap seats in the bleachers here, Moses. I think the beautiful thing about your project is that your product is really good. You know, at the end, you know what I mean. It's like really good water it's not not just filtered water it's like the real deal it's like as almost as pure as you can get right it is hmm. when when they when we're when i was manufacturing in texas I said, the machines were running us like where's all where's all the water <laughs> and what the guys did all throughout the day when they ran the machines they put them in the five gallon jugs put a cap on it and they were taking the water every day I kind of missed that. Say that again. They, uh, when they were running the machines in Texas at the manufacturing plant, yes, they sir. would run the machines, fill up their five-gallon jugs. They were telling, taking it home every day. I see. <laughs> sure, that's what I would do. Yeah, man. Well, it's a, it's a, just a wonderful subject. And how long have you been doing it now? How long have you been at this? The first time I saw a machine was like, uh, it was in uh, 2012. It was 2012. The first time I saw a machine. And I've been working at it. I've been working at developing it ever since then. And right now, this has been uh, one of the best years that I've had at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are, are there are there um, places in the Mideast where they have a lot of humidity and some real water issues using similar kind of technology that you're using? Yes, I think there's a I, there's a mul there's multiple companies in the world that do this, but there's everyone's got a different way to do it. I think right now I'm the only one that has the process that's expandable to as large as you want to make one of these systems. Huh. Huh. So yeah, 
So I'm, I'm expandable, and uh, any time you hit, uh, produce water with one of my machines, it never comes in contact with a refrigerant or coolant. Which is different than a lot of the technologies out that, there. That's different from everybody. Huh. And so do you, you think you're able to continue to make it better and cheaper more, and more affordable as you go? Better word, more affordable. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. That's the whole That's whole, the whole that's idea, idea, right? Whole idea. I want, uh, through my foundational work and through my, uh, my, my for-profit company, the whole point is, is to make this an everyday product, and especially for kids coming up today that are going to come into a planet that they don't, we don't know what to expect. We don't know what to expect, yeah. We don't know what to expect, but uh, we, left, we, we left them with something that wasn't really that good, and so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to leave them with something that they can work with to make their lives better in the future. No, good for you. And our lives today as well. Good for you, yes sir. Moses West, uh, moseswestfoundation.org and it's awgcontractingright.com which is the commercial end of it. Well, it's an honor to talk to you. Good for you. I'm just very proud of what you're doing there and you let us know if we can help with anything as you move forward, Moses. Thank you. Well, I tell you what, the best thing right now is uh, I want I have a couple of systems that I definitely want to get out to some towns mm-hmm. and to get some people here to train them so I don't have to go back. Just just donate to that Moses West Foundation and that would be absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Godspeed. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yes, Bye-bye. Sir. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com, Moses West. What a, what a nice man. Huh? I just think it's terrific. I mean, just... This is really a necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing, right? Okay, we're going to take a little break, and then we will um, do something in an hour or so and talk to um, Brandon Smith. And there is, and we'll play a little video with Brandon too. There's an organization where you won't believe these people. I mean, this is just like, this is right out of George Orwell. It's called Inclusive Capitalism, and it's being run by... Uh, uh, some people you may have heard, um, the uh, Rothschilds and the Rockefeller Foundation and big banks. and So you know that this is going to be a benefit for you. And these are the people that are running the ball for the world economic people, the Klaus Schwabies we talk about. Fascinating, eh? And this is new on the horizon that Brandon's going to tell us all about it. Tomorrow, Adam Bergstrom, 2.0 on the third Wednesday of the month, and then also um, 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 <laughs> Matthew Errett. And uh, he's a geopolitics guy and an author, and uh, uh, we're going to discuss the role that China and India are playing in this global reset that's going on. And there is definitely a reset going on. I don't think it's going to be exactly like the Klaus Schwabi people want it to be, but there's something going on. Uh, it's a big, too. I mean, it's something going on, you know. So, uh, we just try to keep up with it so we can, um, you know, trust God and, and tie, tie our camel, you know, prepare for, the, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So, we'll see you in about an hour or so, oneradionetwork.com. Let me know if I can help with anything. Yep, just send me an email, Patrick at oneradionetwork.com Patrick at oneradionetwork.com and I'll do what I can to answer your questions or 
give you some information. So I love you all. Thank you. See you soon. Uh, please pass on these links to everyone that we care, you care about. Don't forget we have all the videos on BitChute and all the audios on OneRadioNetwork.com. And thank you. Take care. May the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.